District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. I'm going to talk about what I was up to on Earth Day and an op-ed I wrote that will certainly interest you, dear listeners. I will also talk about an update to Center for Biological Diversity versus Fish and Wildlife Service, and I'm going to briefly plug in an opportunity for you to support black bear conservation in Arkansas from Blood Origins and Howl for Wildlife. In the coming weeks, you will also hear more interviews with contributors from Young Voices. We're going to feature a few of them, and tomorrow you will hear from Roy Matthews. Stay tuned. I hope you had a marvelous Earth Day. I don't know if you guys know this, but Earth Day, I was always kind of ambivalent about it. I participated in Earth Day cleanups in high school, and I did little things here and there. And I learned about the radical origins of the holiday. The guy who founded it was a little much into taking recycling very seriously, to put it lightly. Google the Earth Day founder and radical origins and you'll see what I'm alluding to. I think, however, there is an opportunity for true conservationists, free market environmental supporters, and people on the political right, all things considered, to use Earth Day as an excuse or as an occasion, rather, to highlight the environmental achievements and successes we've had in this country, independent of government action. One thing I want to highlight, of course, is an op-ed that I wrote with Mandy Gunasekara, who was the chief of staff to EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler, and is also an independent women's forum fellow like I am. And we wrote an op-ed in Inside Sources on behalf of IWF called Celebrating More Perfect Environment, And we talk about this Earth Day, let's strive to focus on the true story of America's environmental experience and also celebrate our innumerable successes. While some will predictably call for top-down costly regulations coupled with alarmist rhetoric, America's environmental story is one of utmost celebration. It reflects innovation, thoughtful leadership competition, a strive towards efficiency, and evolving science. So we break down talking about our environmental record water quality, air quality, how we're cutting and reducing waste. We are also conserving more land despite these grandiose proposals like 30 by 30. We're already on task with meeting different goals without having to belong to different initiatives and such. Our biodiversity is enviable too. We talk about the recovery of different wildlife species and how laws that already are on the books work, but they need to be properly implemented. We talk about cutting greenhouse gases, achievements through hydraulic fracturing, natural gas, shale boom, and how emissions are down, and much, much more. It was circulated in several different publications, the biggest one, I think, including the Las Vegas Sun, so that was really cool to see it syndicated. Also, if you want to kind of learn more about environmental policy, I recommend you check out an interview that Mandy Gunasekra did recently on Fox News with host Sandra Smith. She talked about Earth Day, uh, the Trump administration's footprint and their efforts to produce a cleaner environment without using the heavy hand of government. I thought it was a great interview. So check out our op-ed, check out her interview and what was I doing on Earth Day? I was in Nebraska speaking about the implications that stem from 3030. I wasn't really going so much into it. There were other guest speakers in Lincoln, Nebraska who talked about it, who really broke down the issue really well. I thought 
Governor Pete Ricketts, hearing from him was really interesting. He is also, if you guys know baseball trivia, his family owns the Chicago Cubs. I learned about that recently, so that was interesting because I've heard Ricketts and I've heard it associated with the Chicago Cubs. Fascinating there. And so he was the first governor of 15 that signed on to this letter to oppose Biden's 30 by 30 initiative. And he talked about that Nebraska already does conservation very well in its own fashion and that the proposals from the Biden administration would upend true conservation efforts in the state, especially when efforts are already led by farmers, anglers, ranchers, hunters, and other stakeholders. So I thought his presentation was good. Speakers were great. I also got to catch up briefly with and say hello to Secretary Bernhardt. I heard his speech. He had good remarks. An interesting perspective, too, I think, was from Congresswoman Boebert, who has a House bill to cancel 30 by 30. She actually, on this issue, if, even if you have criticisms of her, and certainly I don't always agree with her, but she actually is pretty savvy on natural resources. So it was interesting to hear remarks from her. Very red meat speech, of course, but she knows the issue. And then Senator Kevin Kramer also spoke from the Senate side, has a similar bill to her and another bill as well. So there were some big wigs there, but I spoke largely about media and messaging and kind of the reason why this issue heightened me and, and alarmed me in a sense as someone who's a recreational angler. I don't own land. I was probably in the minority in terms of the type of stakeholder I was. I recreate on public land for fishing and hunting opportunities, more so for fishing than I do hunting. I've largely hunted on private land but I support both of those means. But I saw a similar law in California under the guise of conservation. It was called the Marine Life Protection Act. It was passed in 1999, stemming from other type of marine life protection executive orders or uh, issues. And they codified in this, this into law, talking how it will prevent overfishing. And I mentioned how actually it <laughs> hurt the saltwater fishing industry, a multi-billion dollar industry, and it also simultaneously cut off fishing opportunities for recreational anglers, not just commercial anglers, recreational anglers from Santa Barbara to San Diego. I grew up in Southern California, and I remember hearing about the impacts of that law. And so it sounds very similar to 3030. And I think we already do conservation and we don't need a sweeping proposal like this when we're already conserving over 40% of lands, public lands, and we have about 23% of oceans that are conserved. And I think you don't need government to incentivize people. That's crazy to believe that government should be the one incentivizing people. It's markets that should be incentivizing people. People should be voluntarily choosing, not being encouraged by the government. Okay, you're going to put your land in a conservation easement or okay, you're going to sell your land for some other purpose to turn it into wilderness or something of that nature. So government shouldn't be telling people how to conserve. Government already conserves a lot of land. They need to do a better job of managing public resources, natural resources, instead of perpetuating problems that lead to more high-intensity fires, more problems, upending stakeholder relationships, and advancing preservation over conservation. If you want to learn more about 30 by 30, go back to a couple episodes ago. We've had people on to talk about this issue. I can send you resources, but Earth Day, lots of positive stuff, some policies we have to combat but that's what I was largely doing, and I put out a lot of different information over the last few weeks at IWF, so check out IWF.org as well to see some of my commentary on Earth Day, energy policy, and more, and there should be an op-ed dropping from me about biofuels very soon, so stay on the look for that. 
I am a little late to this issue, this latest update on Center for Biological Diversity versus the Fish and Wildlife Service. Remember, I talked about this case going before, I think it was a federal judge, and we had heard that they're going to the Fish and Wildlife Service, this Biden administration, Fish and Wildlife Service, will enter into a potential negotiating settlement, sue and settle as the practice is called, to undo one of the largest expansions of public land hunting and fishing in the United States that happened under the Trump administration in summer 2020, which opened up about 2.2 to 2.3 million acres on national wildlife refuges and fish hatcheries. And they, like I talked about in previous episodes, if you need a little context, if you're just hearing about this, why is this of concern to hunters and anglers? Center for Biological Diversity is a very preservationist-minded organization. They are very much antithetical to hunting. They do not like the use of lead tackle and bullets. And they found a clause, they found a circumstance to say, well, the opening of these lands, and usually these opening of lands have occurred under Republican and Democratic administrations with no opposition before. But this group, CBD, wants to sue for this opening that happened under Trump administration because it'll allow for lead tackle and bullets on Fish and Wildlife Service lands. And there's a whole debate I've talked about before between whether or not you should abandon lead tackle and bullets or keep them. I argue that doing away with them would actually make it harder to do the activity. And also there's a component there attaching banning lead tackle and bullets, which wouldn't put it past me that this administration would do this. Obama's administration did right before he left during the midnight hour before the Trump administration took effect Secretary Zinke, the first of two interior secretaries, undid that rule immediately upon entering office. And so they've also attached it to that using lead tackle and bullets will imperil endangered species. Sounds like a mouthful, but that's what they're arguing. And so the Sportsman's Alliance and the Western Caucus have updates. So I'm going to give you guys and read for you what these brief updates are before I take you to a more positive story to end off today's episode. They say Sportsman's Alliance on the heels of U.S. District Court Judge Donald Malloy's ruling barring intervener status to the National Rifle Association, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Safari Club International, and Sportsman's Alliance Foundation in the case of the Center for Biological Diversity versus U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The Alliance of Hunting Stalwarts have announced a decision to appeal. So they did that, and you can read more at Sportsman's Alliance as well. So the president, Evan, had quote, was quoted as saying this, the Sportsman's Alliance and our partners bring a diverse and specialized knowledge to these proceedings and deserve to be heard. This is also dated April 14th. The fact that Judge Malay won't even let us file an amicus brief is even more baffling than the uncontested ruling to not grant intervener status. He said, sportsmen have been placed on the sideline while the Biden administration negotiates on our behalf and makes settlement offers without even consulting us. The Center for Biological Diversity filed suit over the 2020 expansion of fishing and hunting opportunities on 2.2 million acres within the refuge system. The litigious group alleges that hunting on refuges threatens endangered species because hunters trample critical habitat through lead poisoning from spent ammunition and fishing tackle and because grizzly bears could be mistakenly shot by hunters believing them to be black bears or in self-defense. That's a ridiculous accusation in terms of barring the opening or letting these opening of lands proceed. People who are smart hunters can recognize the difference between a black bear and a grizzly bear. That's a really stupid argument if you ask me. But not surprisingly, CBD is notoriously specializing in sue and stuff. They don't want the Endangered Species Act, when it's actually supposed to go into effect, to be implemented properly. And they interfere with wildlife management decisions. And if the Biden administration were to agree to this, 
I think it set dangerous precedent. Anytime you talk about or anytime you've heard that Trump was assaulting public lands, this is a real attack on public lands. If you ask me, the cutting of access in this manner, it, it makes everything ever accused of the previous administration pale in comparison to actual potential cutting and curbing of access to public lands for the American public to enjoy, especially sportsmen and women who contribute the bulwark of conservation funding in this country. Now, here's what Congressman Newhouse, who is the caucus chair, said also dated in earlier April on April 12th. Today, Chairman Newhouse of Washington led 32 members in sending a letter to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's Director Martha Williams expressing concern about FWS's decision to initiate settlement discussions with the Center for Biological Diversity regarding a lawsuit seeking to eliminate hunting access expansion on nearly 100 national wildlife refuges. CBD's lawsuit alleges that FWS failed to comply with Section 7 and the Endangered Species Act, the National Environmental Policy Act, and the Administrative Procedure Act in promulgating the Trump administration's 2020 rule in expanding hunting and fishing access on 2.2 million acres of national wildlife refuges, in 2021, the Biden administration also expanded access on an additional 2.1 million acres. In the letter, lawmakers expressed concern that CBD's opposition to the 2020 rule would also impact the Biden administration's expansion and result in the banning of the use of techn- traditional ammo and tackle on all refuge lands. The lawmakers wrote, here's an excerpt, and I'll give you the letter for you all to read in the show notes as to what it stipulated. There has traditionally been bipartisan support for hunting expansions on refuges, which is one of six statutorily designated priority uses of the nearly 100 million acre system as described in the 1997 National Wildlife Refuge Improvement Act, wrote the lawmakers. It is our hope that the administration will protect ongoing and continued access to our nation's wildlife refuges and ensure that our sportsmen and women have the opportunity to access our great outdoors. We urge the administration to abandon these settlement discussions and strongly defend this access for Americans, end quote. Read the letter for yourself from Congressional Western Caucus. It is in the show notes. That's an interesting update. That's an update I wanted to keep you all abreast with because we have been covering this closely. I was one of the few in media to first talk about and profile the announcement of these sue and settle agreements. We like to be on the cutting edge here on the podcast, and we're grateful to Sportsman's Alliance and the other groups for keeping us posted on these updates. So had to present that for you all to keep you posted on potential violations of our right to hunt and fish in the United States. On a more positive note, this third story I want to talk about for you all, Blood Origins and Hell for Wildlife. We've had both of their founders on the podcast before. Great storytellers, a lot of upstart organizations, and they are looking out for the interest of sportsmen and women, and they have this great opportunity if you support them. But Blood Origins and Hell for Wildlife are organizing the Arkansas Black Bear Recovery Fund. I think their ultimate goal is 70000 but so far in the subhead, they talk about raising, as of this recording, $13,554 out of 36000 that they are ideally looking for. So they've organized a team to raise money for a vitally important bear project in Arkansas. All the funds raised will help support the collaring and data collection of Gulf Coastal Plain population of Arkansas black bears. And they say you have two ways to support. They say every donation is matched up to 30000 Special thanks to the Cabela's Family Foundation and the Wildlife Center at Legends Ranch. If we happen to be one of the top two fundraising teams on this project, you will have an opportunity to win a trip of a lifetime to go alongside 
Arkansas Game and Fish Commission biologists inside a black bear den to collect vital conservation data or to call their 25 black bears able to be a part of this study. And at some point, I'm going to do a black bear den study. I had an opportunity right before COVID hit, but there will be an opportunity again. But black bear den studies, from what I understand, from what friends have told me who've done them, it is such an eye-opening experience. You get to see Pittman Robertson funds in action. Definitely, definitely endorse you all to participate. If you want to try your hand in winning this or participating in the winning team in making this project come to fruition, highly recommend it. This is really critical. They talk about sportsmen and women, particularly hunters having no concern for bears. They only want to see them harvested and hunted to extirpation. This project shows you that that is not the case. If you talk to any bear hunter or someone who supports bear hunting or bear management, you know that if every bear were to be eliminated, there wouldn't be any bears to enjoy, admire, let alone bears to hunt. So it would be counterintuitive for hunters to support their elimination. And actually hunters themselves, along with wildlife biologists, are very keen on ensuring that projects like Bear Den Studies are funded. They're very critical for testing the health, seeing how healthy different populations are, and who could resist holding a bear cub. I'm really jealous of all my friends who've gone. But great project. Check it out in the show notes if you're interested. And kudos to Blood Origins and Team Howl for Wildlife for doing this. Those guys are on the cutting edge of a lot of stuff, have great projects. So want to plug something positive in for you in the podcast today. Thanks for listening to this episode of District of Conservation. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're following the podcast on your preferred player. We recommend Apple because that's where the largest share of our listenership hails from. And you can also find us on Spotify and dozens of other platforms. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And please, please, please go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify. Those help us go a long way in seeing how far we can go and measure our progress. So we really appreciate that. If you enjoy this podcast, please share the word with your friends, share links to individual episodes and to the podcast. Want to appear on the podcast? Have an interesting story to tell? I'm all ears. Shoot me a message and we'll do our best to process your request.